Welcome to the Fields of Fantasy Podcast, hosted by Pestle and Ed. And welcome to the Fields Fantasy Podcast with Pestle and Ed from TH Fantasy Football. We are here for our final main show, really, I guess, of the season for our Championship Weekend Review. How are you, Ed? How did your Championship games go? Oh, not very well. I mean, I lost both of them. So so that, that that's the headline figure. One of them I lost by about 0.24 points. Ooh. So that was pretty galling. Um, and that, yeah, that upset me. But, but hey-ho, we'll go again next year. I was in two Dynasty Finals. I was in one redraft final, one money best ball final, and I lost all of them. I was quite glad that I lost in convincing fashion in the redraft one because it was where I'd left Amari Cooper in by accident. So I was quite glad that that wasn't the critical factor in it. But it was a year of what could have been for both of us, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think you shouldn't be too hard on yourself with the Cooper thing. I think that's very much a kind of like where we're disadvantaged on this side of the Atlantic, isn't it? Like last minute things like that, where we don't realise we're fast asleep and we've left someone in a lineup. So yeah, I wouldn't be too hard on yourself. Um, I did win a best ball league, so I was quite happy with that. There we go. We've got At least we've got a victory in. We also want to say a massive congratulations to Sam Maddams, the winner of the inaugural TH Fancy Football Best Ball Bonanza. Uh, we managed to raise in our first year £1,015 for the Beast of Memory Cafe, a fantastic small charity supporting people living with dementia and their carers as well. Um, and we will be back bigger and better next season, won't we, Ed? Definitely. I think, you know, we were overwhelmed this year and uh, the support has been phenomenal. You know, every single person that took part, thank you so much. And genuinely, I've seen at first hand just how much that, that money means to the charity. So thank you so much. Yeah, an absolute massive thank you to everybody who got involved with those and everyone who gets involved in all of the great charity leagues that are in existence as well, showing all the good that the fancy football community does. Uh, especially with these UK-based charities as well. Massive shout-out from us to some other charity leagues we've been involved in. So JTT Cup, organised by Matt Cullen. The FFCC by Murph over at Five Yard Rush. The Warrior Bowl, the Orc Charity Bowl as well. So many different uh, charity leagues going on. So please, if you haven't been involved in any this year, keep your eyes peeled over the off-season and get yourself involved in those. Secondly, a big shout-out to everyone involved in our stateside fantasy football leagues as well. Quick shout out to our champions over in those leagues. So the inaugural TH Fantasy Football Cup winner was Gary Houston and the winner of our first ever Fields of Fantasy Champions League was Martin Maguire as well. So congratulations to you two. Looking at our main leagues then, we've got four tiers to our league structure, go from Premiership down to Conference. So in our stateside Premiership, the winner was Ian Fairfield after promotion from 1A last year and he prevented Zach Wilde from making it two in a row. Division 1A, Dylan McNeil secured back-to-back promotions now in the Champions League and in the Premiership. In 1B, Greg Wilde secured back-to-back promotions as well, so he'll also be in the Premiership and in the Champions League. Division 2A, Gary Houston bounced back after relegation last year, so he's back into the first tier. 2B, Liam Michael earned a title after a solid season, as did Rob Fusi. Clinched, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Rob, I apologies if I haven't. Clinched Championship against Matt Gilbert, who had been dominant all year going 12-2. and and then the stateside conference, Lewis Cook also took his first championship with help from Lamar Jackson and Kyron Williams on his roster. So thank you much for everyone who's involved in those. And a huge thank you to the stateside boys as well, to Liam, Tony and Dylan for letting us run those leagues. It's kind of our one of our primary things we run over the year, isn't it, Ed? Yeah, it's great, the stateside. Again, it's, you know involves a lot of people, good fun. 
Uh, and yeah, it's been a really successful league. So a massive thank you, firstly, for letting us run those, the boys at Stateside, but also those of you involved in those, and facilitating our need to commission fantasy football leagues and continue to do drafts through the off-season. Final thing to mention, oh, first time mentioning it this year, Ed, have you heard we have been shortlisted in the Sports Podcast Awards in the Best Fantasy Betting and gaming category. Well, uh, no, tell me more. Well, Ed, we've been shortlisted in the Sports Podcast Award <laughs> in the Best Fantasy Gaming and Betting category. So please make sure you vote for us there. Head over to our social media pages. Uh, have a look over on Twitter where you find the link. Please, please, please vote for that. As we've said umpteen times now, we are the only UK-based NFL-focused fantasy show in there. So we really need the help of the UK community, especially for that. Moving on, though, to reflecting on a Week 17. It's time for one last time to look back at our heroes and zeros of the week. Fantasy Heroes. Lamb said CD's yards after he turned 13 receptions in 227 yards and a touchdown. He's now comfortably top of the league with the most receptions of all wide receivers. Just the three touchdowns this week for Kyron Williams. He's been an absolute fantasy beast and was RB1 this week. Devontae Adams bounced back from 1.4 points from being a zero last week to 37.6 points and a hero this week. He's almost as infuriating as Dishonest Gabe. He kicked the Bengals right out of the playoff race. Harrison Booker got 24 points this week. Giovanna tied end on the list. Then let's go to Johnson of the Saints. Tied end one of the week and I expect he wasn't a single championship roster. Lamar Jackson, baby! An MVP performance from Baltimore Signal Caller. He just keeps getting better and better. It was his highest score of the season with 36.34 points. I've got a new ringtone. <laughs> I had to do it. It pained me to do it. But yes, he deserved it. I'm going to clip that so that every time you phone me, that is what I am greeted with. Well, on that massive, massive high that's made me very, very happy, let's get down some negativity. Fantasy Zeros. King Henry abdicated the throne this week and his 4.2 points likely proved costly for fantasy managers. Austin Eckler, I hate him. I refuse to say anything else. The Steelers secondary kept Tyler in their pockets as he only had one reception for 10 yards. It's been a season to forget for Chris Olave. He was a sinner yet again as he managed just three receptions. Mahomes threw a paddy at his wide receivers on Sunday and they probably dropped that too. Mahomes dynasty managed to be hoping for reinforcements to arrive in Kansas during the offseason. Since Yoko came onto the scene, he's been rubbish. A coincidence? I think not. Poor old Travis Kelsey. Nice to finish on a bit of a dated reference there, Ed, especially considering I very nearly threw Del Boy into the mix again for Derek Henry. <laughs> you don't, that was an, I'll stand by that. I like that <laughs> reference. For this week's other notables, then, we've decided to go the same as last week. We've decided to go for two key games each in the interest of not spending New Year's Day yesterday doing data analysis rather than spending time eating tasty food with our families. Would you like to go first or second this week, Ed? Um, shall I kick off with Rams at Giants? Um, cracking game, great game. New York missed a, a long field goal attempt for the win, uh, and so Rams snuck that win. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit more about Kyron Williams, who has been an absolute revelation this year. Um, he's currently RB5, and that's with four weeks out through injury. If you take him to average points per game, that puts him up at RB2, and he's not a million miles away 
from CMC. You know, he gets up into the CMC stratosphere if you look at points per game, which is ridiculous. Um, he's been RB10 or better on eight occasions. I mean, what a pickup, considering most people will have picked him up on waivers. Does he go down as the greatest waiver pickup of all time alongside maybe Puka Nakua? Quite possibly. I think James Robinson did that a few years ago. And that's the one thing that makes me a little bit worried about Kyron Williams is what we're going to see next year. I think we've learned over the last few seasons doing fantasy that you wait until a few months into the offseason before deciding what everyone's value is going to be. But, I mean, if you were drafting a dynasty roster now, oh, you're going to see it go first round, aren't you, quite comfortably? Very much so. Yeah, you, like you say, there's no sure thing in fantasy. Um, but, yeah, a phenomenal season. Talking about Pakua. Uh, Pakua? I've kind of merged his name. Pakua. <laughs> Pakua, I like that. <laughs> Talking of Puka Nakua, he outscored Cup yet again. And he is now wide receiver five. I'll say that again. Puka Nakua is wide receiver five. Phenomenal. I, t- to be honest, I think he is offensive rookie of the year ahead of CJ Stroud. I don't think he'll get it, but if my vote would actually go for him, I think he's been. No, fair point. I think he's been more consistent. The quarterback always gets it, um, so I think Stroud will get it. He's had over a hundred receptions and seven times a hundred plus yard performances, so he's been absolutely insane alongside Williams. Um, Giants wide receivers, let's talk about them. They'd have been completely irrelevant, uh, because, but they showed a bit of life under Tyrod Taylor. Darius Slayton, who started in 1% of leagues, and Wondell Robinson, who started in 4% of leagues, both got in the 20-point ballpark. Uh, but unfortunately, they'll have just sat on your bench. So I hope they didn't cost you. And 18 points for the Giants defence, who've looked good recently. I'd say streaming defences has been a tough job this year. There's been unreliable defences, you know, up and down defences, no kind of, even you kind of Cowboys, Browns, haven't been consistently reliable. So yeah, it's been an interesting sport this year, streaming your defences. I went for a speculative bonus DraftKings league this week, a $1 entry league. And I put in there a giant stack of Tyrod Taylor and Darius Slayton. Oh wow, did you win anything? Uh, I ended up with about $4 back because I did that purely to be able to get CMC in my lineup, oh. and it didn't work out very well up there as well. So, no, the, the thought process was solid. In any other week, I think I'd have done really well there. Darn, CMC is so inconsistent and useless for fantasy football. I would like to look first at Falcons. Bears, so, question Ed, has Justin Field secured his job in Chicago for 2024? Yes, I, 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 it's so difficult. I mean, I've read so much about it. I think, I don't know if Fields has done enough, to be honest. I, I think that, you know, they need to make use of this pick that they've got. And and I think there are a couple of superstar quarterbacks in this draft. And I think they need to, you know, you don't often get the chance to get a Burrow or a T-Law. And I think, I think they need to spin the wheel and really go for it. What, what about you? I think we're going to be talking about it every day up until the draft. Yes. Um, Unless they trade that away earlier. So I think the key thing is there's no guarantee around Williams or May and Fields has shown quite a lot. But there's the argument for hitting the reset on the financial implications of drafting a quarterback rather than paying a quarterback. The one thing I do think, though, is looking at how well Herbert and Johnson both did, looking at how well DJ Moore's done all season. What if they were to spend that top pick on someone like Marvin Harrison Jr. and just give Fields even more weapons? The one thing I think is for certain is whatever happens in Chicago is going to have significant fantasy draft implications through the off season. Yeah, it will have. 
you know, like a domino effect throughout the league, won't it? With like picks changing and, and that sort of thing. So, so yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I do think if you are planning on trying to trade away Justin Fields, now, now is probably the time. Um, I'm in one of our leagues, 16 team, our English football conference, where quarterbacks are at premium. I've got Dak and Justin Fields and I'm lacking in other areas. I think I need to trade one of those away this off season. And I'm thinking that, well, I've seen enough from Dak to roll with him next season. I think probably I'll get more in value from Fields. That could change absolutely immediately at any point in this offseason, depending on what happens, couldn't it? Definitely. Look at the Falcons. Will they move on from Arthur Smith? Who will be the QB? Remember when they declared being out on Lamar Jackson last offseason? That worked out well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, it's been all right. <laughs> Expect us to be discussing Bijan, London, Pitts at length this offseason. Uh, all our down games again this week. Pitts had one reception and uh, continued to be near impossible to predict. I would love a positive change in Atlanta because they've got some key fancy pieces there just waiting to be given that consistency, aren't they? I mean, you drop a decent quarterback into Atlanta, surely they instantly become playoff relevant, do they not? And and all those all those pieces become fancy relevant. It's it really is that simple, I think. Imagine if they had pursued Lamar Jackson in the offseason. I don't think we had lots of conversations. I don't think he was ever leaving Baltimore. I think it was all jostling for position and looking at where people take advantage in negotiations. But could you imagine that offense if Lamar had been there and been playing at the level he's been playing in Baltimore? It would be fancy gold. Who are you looking at for your next game, though? Yes, yeah, so Steelers at Seahawks. Uh, another winning season for Mike Tomlin. 17 consecutive winning seasons. The man is an absolute freak. I would absolutely hate to play the Steelers in the playoffs, uh, especially as Rudolph appears to be um, kind of an accidental upgrade at quarterback. And I think they're they're almost nailed on for the, for the playoffs because I'd say Baltimore are going to put out their third string youth uh, team next <laughs> week, I would say. Um, so I don't think the Steelers are going to have much difficulty beating Baltimore next week. But yeah, I, I mean, in terms of fantasy... Uh, I think we discussed the Steelers' run game recently, which has been quiet, but it went off against Seattle. Nearly 200 yards and three touchdowns between Harris and Warren. Again, maybe they were sat on your bench. They might have cost you in a championship game. I hope not. Pickens backed up being wide receiver two last week with being wide receiver nine this week. It's crucial for him to keep up that form under Rudolph if Steelers are going to do anything in the playoffs at all. Uh, Tyler Lockett is wide receiver 34 this season. And DK Metcalf, wide receiver 19. They've let a lot of people down this year. Um, is there a more disappointing pair at wide receiver? Chase and Higgins, possibly. But, I mean, Chase has still had a solid-ish season. I I wouldn't say Metcalf and Lockett be disappointing because that's kind of where we said that we thought they'd be. We thought that DK was being overdrafted. We thought that Lockett would be a steady flex piece. And that's that's kind of what's happened this season. I would say, yeah, Chase and Higgins think they're more disappointing, but through circumstances around them rather than their own own poor play, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't think Gino's drop off um, has helped. He's been poor this season. Certainly hasn't backed up what a great season he had last season. I mean, Tyler Lockett has been seventeenth or better in his last five seasons in PPR. Uh, Metcalf's starting to see a kind of slow drop-off. He's gone from wide receiver 7, 14, 16, wide receiver 19 this year in PPR standings. He's only 26. I thought DK Metcalf was in his 30s. I don't know why. But you don't really <laughs> kind of get these weird like things about players. But anyway, yeah, he's only 26, so he, he's got a lot more to go. Can I ask you this, Mark? 
Do you think we could have expected more from Zach Charbonnet? Has he had a disappointing rookie season? Pre-draft, we'd have expected a heck of a lot more than this. But soon as he landed in Seattle uh, with Kenneth Walker there as well, it was always on the cards, this, wasn't it? I'd love to see what he could do if he was given full reign over a backfield so he could really hone his scrap. We see running backs, they need that momentum to get going, don't they? And he's not had the opportunity for that. And when he has had the opportunity, it's been inconsistent. I don't know. He's one that could be a good value next season in drafts. I think he's always a wait and see, isn't he? Maybe he is the next Byron Williams in the making. Yeah, he could well be. It's a good point about, you know, I think he will drop in value and he might be a decent steal somewhere. I mean, he's only had one touchdown and probably two, maybe three fancy relevant weeks all season. And to be honest, I think if you drafted him, you wanted a lot more than that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens with him. Uh, who's your final game? So I'm going Cardinals, Eagles, Cardinals 35, Eagles 31, exactly as we all called it and expected. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apart from Hurts and Goddard, Eagles players likely cost you your matchup this week. Oh, and Julio Jones as well, obviously. Rostered in 3% leagues and started in 1% leagues. How bizarre was that? Julio Jones. I thought, because you know when, when it was like a Jones touchdown, I thought, oh, who's this? I'm not, is this a, <laughs> this is a rookie? Oh, no, it's Julio Jones. I forgot about him. So obviously, Devontae Smith ended up leaving with injury. Jones had two targets, two touchdowns, 17.4 points. Efficient is the phrase we always use in these situations. That's the correct word. Swift was productive as expected, but he only got 13 carries against the worst run defence in the league, so he didn't get the points we'd hoped for. Since hitting his stride from injury, though, James Conner has been a great play, and he racked up 26 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown, along with a receiving touchdown too. At 28, he's a risky pick next season, so I expect we'll be debating him quite a lot as well in the off-season. We spoke about Kyler Murray being a great pickup and stash when he came off the IR for Championship Weekend ages ago, and he was QB4 with 24.68 points. I linked this into our discussion about Tua we had last week, where Tua was the key example I gave about four or five weeks ago now of someone I would be making sure I had Kyler Murray on the bench and stash if I could do if I had Tua. Tua ended up being QB16. These are the players who scored more highly than Tua and their roster percentage. Jordan Love, 75.1%. Kyler Murray, 70%. Joe Flacco, 36.7%. Jake Browning, 38.6%. There's more. Aidan O'Connell, 7.4%. Tyrod Taylor, 6.1%. And Baker Mayfield, 63.7%. We had a lot of pushback in our starts and stits on Twitter over the weekend when we were suggesting starting Jordan Love, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield over Tua. But the projections were fairly clear when you looked at what the Baltimore defence has done, when you looked at Tua being the back of three bad weeks. It's clear an indicator of any of don't be blinded by name value, and not just Tua's name value, but the Miami name value of their offence as well when it's a tough matchup. Play your projections, and I'm sure we'll be discussing that a lot next season as well as a reminder that we can often forget ourselves. You often go for the name of the team or the player, and you don't always put the proper value into projections of what we see might happen. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting next season to see how Tua progresses. I mean, he's still uh, got a playoff run to come, you'd imagine. Uh, but Dolphins, it's, it's been really... In- Dolphins and Eagles, who were looking absolutely red hot, all of a sudden look like they could lose... I mean, to lose to the Cardinals, I mean, that is... That's pretty poor from the Eagles. Is it four out of five they've lost? So, yeah, I think that there's only one team that looks 
in red-hot form. And unfortunately, at the moment, that's the Ravens. This week then, no injury report, no starts and sits, no waiver wire, because fantasy football in week 18 is irrelevant. It's about as relevant as Tommy DeVito will be in your fantasy drafts next season. So if you are playing in week 18, as said before, make it your last season, change back to week 17, do the right thing. But what we will do is have a look at how we got on this week in... Fire from the Wild. So we decided we were going to pick the two games that we thought would have the lowest fantasy output on the week. So the games that we're looking are going to have the lowest scores, but we had to take the highest scoring QB, two running backs, two wide receivers and tight end of those teams, but we're trying to get the lowest score. So Ed had first pick and you went for Jets and the Browns. Some big points. Yeah, I mean, I saw the score and I was I was worried straight away. I mean, Flacco had a decent week. Even Simeon wasn't a disaster. Brees Hall had another phenomenal week. Brees Hall is running back four in that team. What an absolute superstar he's been in his sophomore year. Jerome Ford scored big. Um, wide receiver might have rescued me, maybe. Only really Elijah Moore got a decent score. And outside of that, there was nothing. And Joku had another great week. Were, were we counting defences? No. Oh, that's good, because both defences had a great week. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I'm not confident, to be honest, because there, there were quite a few high scores. So, I then had Falcons-Bears. Both quarterbacks scored well. 18 points for Heineke, 24 for Fields. The running backs did well. Herbert and Johnson both scored 34 between them. Algier obviously outscored Robinson again. Why would he not? Drake London, Van Jefferson were the top scoring wide receivers. Not huge points. It was DJ Moore that really put me at risk with 30.9. But then the Titans did nothing. Uh, so that has helped me <laughs> out on there. It's close, Ed. Very, very close. So points for Falcons Bears then when we totaled up the quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers and a tight end. Ended up being 162.84. That's quite high. Jets and Browns, higher or lower? I think it's probably going to be a little bit higher. The Brees Hall, the Flacco worry it's me. It's very, very close. So the Jets-Browns had a combined score of 166.9. I took it by four points just under. Wow, that was very close. Yeah. So uh, that was a, an unexpectedly close matchup. So that takes us on the season to 12-5. In my favour. Oh, Shall dear. we check how we got on with our season-long prop, though? Do we have to? Yes, we do. Oh, God. We were just reviewing this, and I couldn't believe how bad my team was. I mean, there's some absolute stinkers in there. To be fair, I've had a couple of you who've let me down massively, but yeah. So as a reminder, then, we used the mock draft function on Sleeper. Ed got to pick where he started the draft from, and he went with the second pick. I picked from, I think it was spot six or seven. And then we worked our way through the mock draft picking our team. That's why, although it was just us two picking our teams, they're not super stacked. We did go through that draft process in a 12-team draft. So, Team Ed was Daniel Jones. Oh, Quarterback 43, <laughs> he was. 43. Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, DJ Moore, Pat Fryermuth. Who let you down? Who helped you out? Well, I'll start off positively. DJ Moore, wide receiver, a absolute stormer of a season. He definitely overachieved. Um, I think he was the third wide receiver I picked up. 275 points. 
Uh, Debo solid. JJ was obviously my absolutely massive bust. You know, wide receiver 37 when I wanted him to be wide receiver one or two. Um, Pollard, probably about way, where I'd expect him. Fryermuth, tight end 30, awful. Uh, and obviously Jones was a massive bust, an absolutely enormous bust. Quarterback 43. Mark, there are only 32 teams, and he was quarterback 43. <laughs> so uh, genuinely... He didn't play for most of the season. In, in my worst defense. nightmares, I could not have predicted a score as low as that. So, yeah, a couple of successes, but mainly disappointments. What about you? So I had Lamar Jackson, baby! Josh Jacobs, Alexander Madsen, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, Travis Kelsey. I mean, even with Keenan Allen deciding he didn't want to play football at the end of the season, he sends up his wide receiver seven. So I was happy with that. I ended up with wide receiver seven, 27 and 34. Not too bad for a three wide receiver group. Uh, Lamar ended up QB three. And as we said, had a solid end to the season and was actually more consistent than people giving him credit for over the course of the season as well. Running back's not so good. Jacobs was running back 23. Mattison running back 37. And then Travis Kelsey, a down year for him, but a down year for him is still better than pretty much every other tight end in the league, except for Sam Laporta. So Travis Kelsey finished as tight end two, so not too bad. Points-wise, what was your point total, Ed? Or do you want me to give you mine first? Well, I think basically, uh, running back wide receivers, I think we're almost neck and neck, but it, what's won it for you will be a quarterback and tight end because you've got quarterback three and tight end two. I've got quarterback 43 and tight end 30. So my... T- Total score was 1,157.2. I won't leave any suspense. Mine was higher. 1,518 bang on. So that shows, if anything, firstly, how exceptional I am at Fancy Props. <laughs> I've now won the season 15-5. We won all, though. We won all now. We won all overall. Uh, so when we get to a decade's time, we'll see who the true championship is when we can forge a Fancy Prop dynasty. But what this really shows an experiment is how fancy leagues aren't won at the draft. Um, that shows how important drafting a robust bench is, how important waivers are, because both of us have been hit significantly there with injuries, change of circumstances, all the other things you can't predict when you're just drafting your fancy team at the start of the season. Oh, God, yeah. Jones, Frymuth, maybe even JJ would have been long gone from my starting lineup. So, so yeah, it, it, you're right. It, it shows. And it'll an advert for playing along and drafting and using waivers. Time for a little break. Want to get closer to Super Bowl 58 on game day? Pre-order your official Super Bowl program now. Featuring a holographic cover and unique artwork to celebrate Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. You can have your copy of the official Super Bowl program in time for kickoff. Visit statesidesports.co.uk now to guarantee yours. Viva Las Vegas! Our weekly reminder then that if you would like to secure yourself a copy of the Stadium Edition holographic Super Bowl program for Super Bowl 58, which will feature the logo of the two Super Bowl finalists, including the Baltimore Ravens, then make sure you head over to statesidesports.co.uk to get that ordered or head over to Twitter, go to our pinned post and you can get involved in our competition there to win yourself a free copy of the Super Bowl programme delivered in time for the big game itself. Final feature of the week though. Sunday Night Bet Club. Right, last week then, 
I went for a Bengals Chiefs special to keep me occupied until midnight. And I got, got it right apart from who was winning each half. So I put down four Bengals to score first. That came in. Chiefs to win the first half. It was the Bengals leading at the half. And then I had the Bengals to win overall. Chiefs won overall. But we hit the under as well. So that didn't work out for me. What we're going to look at this week is where there's some potential value in a couple of bets at this stage as we head into the playoffs and beyond. I'd like to have a quick look back to a bet I put on before the start of the season, which was my bet for Lamar Jackson to win the MVP, odds of 17.00. So I'm looking good on my £5 on that at the moment. Hopefully that will come in. I also put a bet on for Lamar Jackson to have the MVP and the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. That was odds of 40.00. I put a couple of quid on that. Once again, looking good at the minute. I also, though, put on a third bet. Ravens to win the Super Bowl and Man United to win the Premier League. (laughs) That just keeps getting... I mean, we laugh every time I say this, but every time I mention it, it's less likely. <laughs> it's more and more ridiculous. Uh, the, could there be polar opposites of seasons for my two follow teams? I don't think so. I don't think it could be going any better for the Ravens. Could be going any worse for Man United at the minute. Um, just a quick mention, though, of that Ravens-Miami game. 56-19 started out looking like a back-and-forth game on offense. Ravens took over towards the end of quarter two. And then I think it was the back-to-back turnovers where Lamar just looked to regain his composure and get on and Tua just looked shaken. He didn't look composed at all. I mean, when Tyreek Hill drops uh, an easy touchdown pass in the end zone, you know you're in for a tough day. And for the second week in a row, the Ravens defense eliminated a quarterback from the MVP conversation. I think Tua was probably out of that already by that stage, but that's completely gone, isn't it now? Yeah, it, it was an absolute masterclass from Ravens on both sides of the football, and I think they just they're just looking better and better. Um, I think it's going to be fascinating to see now because basically they've got what three weeks off. They'll have their bye, and it will be uh, interesting to see. You know, uh, you know the freshness will that really benefit them? Uh, you know, whoever they play, but you know you can't really see in the AFC at the moment. I mean, who, who's who's touching the Ravens at the moment? I don't think the Dolph, the Dolphins clearly aren't. The Chiefs, the Bills, I, I just don't know who gets close. I think it would be somebody like the Browns or the Steelers, to be honest, who would give you the toughest matchup. But even then, that's um, I'd like to see Joe Flacco go against the Ravens' defense because I think we get a little bit carried away about just how great Joe Flacco is at the minute. Could you imagine if Joe Flacco won? <laughs> that would be brilliant. I'll come on to that in a moment, actually, one of our potential bets. From a fancy point of view, Isaiah Likely may well be the only tight end two who gets drafted in redraft leagues next season. And where will Zay Flowers' value sit as well? Dynasty, pretty high right now, I think. Oh, yeah. What a second half of the season he's had. We, we, uh, it felt like every week we were talking about Zay Flowers is close to close to going off. And, and he has done these last few weeks. He's, he's been phenomenal. Back then, Sunday Night Bet Club for this week. So. Looking at value this week for where you might want to put some bets towards the end of the season. Ravens are 4.00 is a boosted bet on the Metanapa choice. You've got to put big money on to make it worth your while, really, but seems like a reasonable bet at this stage. I think the best value at the minute, though, for bets for Super Bowl is probably the Dallas Cowboys. 
So if you were to put a bet on the Ravens versus the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, that would be 11.75. And the Cowboys to win the whole thing, 17.00. I don't think the Cowboys will, but when you're looking at value for money on the bet, I think that offers your best return for something that does have a chance of coming in. You can put that bet on, but you, you won't get any money back. No, because, but if, you, if you're looking... Won't win. But if you're looking to try to find some value, that's where I'd look. A very speculative bet. We mentioned it earlier. Browns to reach the Super Bowl, 17.00. The exact same odds as the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. So it's a strange thing to say. I feel the Browns reaching the Super Bowl is more likely than the Cowboys winning it. I would not. I mean, I don't like. I don't like the Browns. I don't like their fans. I think their fans, on the whole, are morons. But um, I, 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 I do think the Browns have got a good chance of getting to the Super Bowl. If I could think of the worst possible thing to happen over the course of the season now, after how dominant the Ravens are at the moment, it would be for the Browns to reach the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco as quarterback. I can't think of anything worse is why I might put a lot of money on it so at least it has a nice spin to it if it happens if if they get to the Super Bowl Joe I think we should end the podcast because as, as, a, <laughs> as a Bengals and Ravens fan that that would be pretty awful wouldn't it finally then Kevin Stefanski looks nailed on for coach of the year 1.08 I think Dan Campbell's a bit disrespected in this for me at 17.00 built on success over the last couple of years and he deserves it in my eyes but Fourth in the betting behind Stefanski, D'Amico Ryans and Shane Steichen. I think that's a little bit... I mean, I'm not going to bet on it. It might be worth it if you want to pop in a little accumulator. It's an outside chance. But I don't know. that They just seem like quite long odds for someone very deserving of it. Or am I being a little bit too Lions friendly there? No, I think I think Lions have had a great season. But, but I think if you look at um, kind of what... Stefanski's had to work with at the Browns and obviously Deshaun Watson being, well, nothing short of a failure really and they've managed to find a way, then you can see why why he's such a hot favourite. When the odds are 1.08, it's pretty much in the back happening, isn't it? That does close a couple of our previous bets from the season where I put Dan Campbell for coach of the year in the mix as well. Little announcement though, while we talk about Sunday Night Bet Club, we will be bringing back the Sunday Night Bet Club show for one time only in Super Bowl week. We're hopefully going to get some guests on as well. We're hopefully going to get Liam and Tony from Stateside to join us for that as well. Obviously, Liam was our guest last year and showed some exceptional knowledge of Rihanna's back catalogue uh, when we we're trying to pick out the first song. So, Liam, if you're listening, let us know how your Usher knowledge is, please, because that's where we're going this year. Anything else to add for our final main week show, Ed, before we go? No, it's just sad. Like, fancy football is done, really, for, the, for another year. Um, so, sad times, but it's, it's been a great season. We'll have no more Fancy Five for now for the foreseeable future, so we're parking that show for the time being. We will be back next week, though, with our end-of-season awards show, and we'll still be with you on a week-by-week basis, but we need to have a little bit of a look at what that's going to look like and what our show format will be. So for now, enjoy the rest of the start of 2024. We'll be back with you next week for our Fancy Awards show for 2023. But until then, Malcolm, take us home. You have been listening to Pestle and Ed of TH Fantasy Football. For more content, follow TH underscore fantasy underscore NFL on Instagram and Twitter.